the Buffalo Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Monique Gordion, and the great news is you found the podcast, a space for stories that will arouse a smile and inspire us as we tap into our collective experiences. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Buffalo Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you here today listening to us. And I've got the amazing Claude Hall on the podcast today, who's going to share a wonderful story. Hi, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. So I'm excited to hear your story today. Again, everyone out there in, who follows my podcast will know that I have never heard this story before. So I have mm-hmm. no idea what you're going to share, which makes it so authentic and, and really exciting for me as it is for the listener. So please uh, tell us your story, Claude. Okay. You know, um, my story is is kind of like a string of, of stories. Mm. And what I realized when I, I, I think it was yesterday morning, I was thinking about our conversation and I realized, oh, this is my story of my journey to finding my joy. Oh, mm. And it right. came it came in many steps, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, the first step was, I was, I finished my two year degree at Fashion Institute of Technology. At the time I was not singing or anything. I was Mm -hmm. into fashion. You know, I wanted to be a model, but I was too insecure and too shy. And I, I couldn't really pursue that. Yeah. I, and I went into that school to major in buying and merchandising because oh. I believed that you travel. <laughs> what I wanted was the travel part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rest. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm doing this two year degree and I'm saying, oh my God, it's all these numbers, which I'm, yeah. you know, I'm good at. I don't mind it, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. And then I learn that when they travel, you know, if the buying trip is supposed to be two days, they're only there for two days and then they hightail it back home. Uh. And I thought, that's not the kind of travel I had in mind. <laughs> so the numbers you're talking about is like measurements, like cutting out. No, no. it's like, you know, sales numbers and oh, percentages yes. and, and all of that. So and business. Business numbers. Yeah. And I thought buying and merchandising, you know, I was thinking shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's great. (laughs) That's so. um, (laughs) So my two years are coming up to the end, and you know, at the time I was, I was very quiet. I was, I have been for a lot of my life a lone wolf for different Mm -hmm. reasons. I won't go into now. Um, And I knew I don't want to continue this major, Mm. and I decided I wanted to switch to um, PR. So Ah. I apply for the PR department and I don't get in. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) My parents are really super strict, you know, and what the heck am I going to tell them? Sorry, how old were you at this stage? I was I was 20 years old. 20. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I grew up in a very, very um, strict household my sister and I were not allowed to do anything I think my sister did a lot of things I was the middle kid and I was like the Miss Goody Two Shoes and so I never told my parents I was trying to change majors and so how could I tell them I didn't get into the next two years Mm -hmm. 
And what happened then is the first time I consciously experienced my intuition. Mm. My parents are from Haiti. Mm-hmm. And Haitians love France. And so I heard the voice in my head say, ask them to move to Paris to learn to speak French. Ask your parents to move to <laughs> <Yeah>. France? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's just like, uh, you know, only a little ask, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, my parents, because they were so strict, if I had asked to move to Manhattan, they would have said no. <gasps> oh, But, you ask you to to move to France, not the whole family to move to France. No, just me oh. alone to All move right. to France. And I knew if I said, I want to move to, you know, Manhattan, they would have said no. Mm. But Paris, because of the Haitians' relationship to France, my intu- I didn't even think about it. My intuition knew it would say yes. So I did what I had never done before. I grew up in an environment where you never asked for what you wanted. Mm. You never made like a Christmas list to say, this is what I want for Christmas. You, mm. nev- you, know, you just got what you were given. Yeah. You know, do as I say, not as I, as I, <laughs> as I do. And um. And so even before I could second guess myself, I picked the phone up because it was during the daytime when I got the letter that I was not admitted, picked up the phone, called my mom at work and said, hey, I want to move. I want to go to Paris to learn to speak French properly. And she said, yes. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> That must have been such a surprise, was it? It was. I like, I like, I think back to that moment and I was just, you know, there are moments when your life where you're, you get into this vacuum yeah. because it's like, I'm going to Paris. <laughs> She said yes. And there was no pushback. There was, it was yes. Yeah. Great. Amazing. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> they buy me a one-way ticket to Paris wow. <laughs> and um, they find me a room in this dorm that's run by nuns you know <laughs> thinking that the nuns <laughs> are gonna <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> subtle control there but anyway yeah <laughs> So they're thinking that the nuns are going to keep me in check. Yeah. Yet soon after I got there and it was hilarious getting off the plane, like I'm five, nine, the nun was probably four feet tall. I had two huge suitcases, a makeup bag and all of this stuff. And this tiny woman and I, you know, proceed to try to get on the bus to get, you know, to the dorm. So anyway, I soon find out that they really... It's not that they didn't care, but this dorm was actually designed for French people who lived outside of Paris, French girls uh-huh. who lived outside of Paris and went to school in Paris and needed a place to stay. So they had very few foreigners. So because my parents were in New York and I'm a New Yorker and the reputation New York has They probably figured, oh, like her parents let her do anything she wants to do. So I had free reign. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
fabulous. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, so here I am in Paris and um, <laughs> it was, it was just Paris in general. I, I love to say it was my social education mm-hmm. because the art, the architecture mm-hmm. and also socializing, you know, you, you learn to socialize in a different way. You know, my parents, we had people over on Sundays, but it wasn't, you know, you, I learned, you know, when you go to ha- somebody's place for dinner, you, I, you know, some in France, like, mm, you may not want to bring flowers because what if they don't have a vase? You yeah. bring up. Yeah. <laughs> like weird things like that, you know, bring some wine, you know? Mm. So it's, it's, it's just interesting. All I learned, I ended up meeting the man who became my first husband. Oh, five ooh la, days. Oh, la, yeah. la. <laughs> <laughs> I met him five days after moving to Paris in a laundromat. Um, <laughs> the nuns directed me to the laundromat where I could wash my clothes. And there he was. <laughs> wow. It turned out that um, his father was actually a pretty well-known jazz saxophonist. Um, his name was Barney Whelan. He played with Bud Powell, with, um, you know, Miles Davis, with really big guys. So when I started dating him, he was listening to jazz music all the time. Was, was he French? He was half French, half Swiss. Okay. And so, um, and he was listening to the jazz standards, which was what I didn't hear that when I was in New York. Whenever I heard jazz in New York, it was this you know, free jazz that I couldn't comprehend. I listened to R&B, you know, rap and everything else. And I just fell in love with the jazz standards. Mm. And, you know, at that point, I still didn't have singing on my mind. Um, but I just loved the music and listened to it all the time. Fast forward a few years later, I say, oh, I think I want to, you know, start taking vocal lessons and he looks at me and says why would you want to do a thing like that (laughs) and so I put it aside oh I didn't do it because I was still that insecure Mm -hmm. shy girl who did everything she was told you know Mm -hmm. I was away from home but home was that way of being while I was at home yes was still planted inside of me your mindset was yeah, not it so, was still there. Self-empowered, yeah. Right. Um, you know, and so fast forward to um, the end of what was my second marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Was that in France as well? It was in France oh, in Paris? as well. Yeah, okay. In Paris. <laughs> um, this one was American. Um <laughs> You know, and and both of those relationships together spanned about 14 years of my life. So it it was a really long time. And towards the end of that marriage, like I realized we were headed for I was headed for another divorce. Mm. And um, I said to myself, there's only one common denominator in these two marriages, and that's you. So you better, you need to look within yourself. Mm. And I had tried therapy with the first marriage when it was going on the rocks. And I really didn't like that. And the voice in my head said, go take voice lessons. Interesting. It came back and it said, 
you know, and it came a second time. And I said to myself, I am not talking to my husband about this. I'm just going to go mm. and do it. I'm just going to tell him. <laughs> you've l- you've <laughs> learned by your mistake the first time around. <laughs> well yes. <done>. So <laughs> I started taking the classes and it was really just for fun. And it was also to find my voice, mm. you know, in, in France, they have a saying that say, and they probably have it in the States as well, that music is good for the soul. Mm. And, um, and I just wanted to literally find my voice because I understood mm. that I was not speaking up mm. in my relationships. And because I was not speaking up, it was, they were headed for failure, you know, or for, for an end. So I started to do that, you know, and, and that, you know, it was fun. And I was, you know, always just doing it for fun. And then um, a really good friend of mine, <laughs> he, that I met in Paris, he moves to St. Bart's and oh. he keeps, yeah, he keeps calling and he's like, you know, Hey, you should come. And I tell him, listen, I don't want to go to St. Bart's. I've been to an island before. It's palm trees and sand. Why should I go to St. Bart's? <laughs> so for, for those who are not sure, it's in the Caribbean, St. Bart's. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and he was so insistent that I finally said yes. You know when you say yes just to get somebody off of your back? <laughs> That's a big yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I gave myself, you know, a parameter. I gave, I gave myself a really low budget because yeah. St. Bart's is basically, it's, it's um, in the Caribbean, so it's near Florida. So it's not, you know, it's not a cheap ticket from France. Mm. Mm. And you have to take, I think, two or three planes. It's, it's, it's yeah. drama. So I gave myself a really low budget. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, if I find a ticket within that price, I will come. And guess what? <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I don't know how. I started looking and the first ticket I come across wow. is in the price range. And I said, okay, well, then I have to go. Wow. Wow. As soon as I got off of, now St. Bart's is so tiny that, you know, you get, you have to take a plane you know, to, um, I think Guadeloupe or St. Martin, then you get onto a smaller plane that has Mm -hmm. six or 10 people on it. And then it's really Mm -hmm. tiny. And when the plane lands, you get off of the plane on the runway and you have (laughs) to walk on the runway, you know, (laughs) to the, to the airport, which basically looks like a, you know, what Americans call a strip mall, which it doesn't even look like an airport, you know, the minute I set foot on the runway, my intuition said, you, there's something about this place that is different. Mm. So I just loved it. You know, St. Bart's is an interesting place because it's so close to the United States that even though it's French, mm-hmm. it used to be owned by the Dutch, I believe, but even though it's French, you know, there's more of an entrepreneurial frame of mind because it's so close to the United States and there are so many Americans on, from the East Coast who go there on vacation. Mm-hmm. So it was this really, and the food is amazing. Is it? Um, yeah. Oh my God. It's like, you know, five star dinners. And, and, and so I was in this place that felt like Europe, but had like the energy of, you know, East coast United States, which is where I'm originally from. Mm. And it just felt like, Oh my God, like I want to be here. And the mm. whole time I was there, 
without really, you know, I put the question in the back of my mind and said, oh, what could I do to make a living here? And the last day I was there, um, I was at, I was waiting for my flight. I had already brought my suitcases in. <laughs> I went to the strip mall across the street from the airport and I was waiting for my flight, which was that afternoon. And somebody calls my name and I look up and it's a woman I used to work with 13 years prior. Huh. And she worked with Ralph Lauren. Now, oh. mind you, where I was waiting for the plane, we had wanted to go there because it's sort of like this really, you know, um, in, in kind of a place which great food, but we never made the time to go there while I was on vacation. And finally I said, okay, it's the last day I'm going to, we're going to go and sit there and, um, work on our laptops, blah, blah, blah. I look up, she, you know, she, she calls my name and then, um, Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing here? And she doesn't tell me at that point what she's doing there. I had an hour or two before my flight. And my yeah. friend and I said, let's just show you around the island. And we're showing her around the island. She and I had worked before together when I worked for Ralph Lauren in Paris. And, um, and so at some point, as we're showing her around the island and, you know, marveling at its beauty because it is such a beautiful island. I say to her, oh my gosh, I wish I could figure out how to live here. Mm. So I, you know, we go back to the airport, wish her a happy vacation. I go back to Paris and I'm back at work. And two weeks later, she shows up at my job <gasps> and she's like, I got to talk to you. So, you know, I think nothing of it. And so we, you know, either it's over a phone call or over coffee, I can't remember. Mm. And she says, Ralph Lauren, I was actually in St. Bart's because Ralph Lauren has decided to buy back all of his franchise stores mm. and they're going to buy back the one in St. Bart's. And we want to know if you God, talk about synchronicity, serendipity, like all of those. Yeah. Wow. And and this is something that I've realized, mm. you know, down the line is mm. that sometimes you don't have to figure out the how mm. you just have to ask the question. Mm. And the question that I wasn't, that I asked once and every now and again would just peep its head without me putting a lot of focus on it was how can I make a living here? Mm. That was, you know, that was mm. the question. I was like, oh my God, I love it here. How can I make a living here? Mm. And I didn't really dwell on it because I mm. was on vacation. But that time and other times I found that the answer shows up. Mm. That's so inspiring. Mm. <laughs> That's so great. you know that's yeah great yeah some yeah we can get we can get very stuck in the how and i'm yes. kind of like that i yeah. want to figure out how to do things and blah, blah. yeah um and i want it to be perfect before you know actually yeah. putting it out to the world yes and you don't always have to figure out how so it, it seems to me from listening to you that you're a spontaneous person. Like, even I, though you've yeah. just said that you like to, like we all like to control a bit or at least attempt to control. But there's, right. there's, there is this spontaneity in you, like this, how can I live here? How can I work here? You know, that's yeah, something in you. Have you always been like that? Or is it really since um, going to Paris, you know, that that sort of cracked open within you? I. I think Paris cracked it open. I think I would say that it is 
there is spontaneity and there's also like curiosity and Mm. an adventurous Mm. side to me. Mm. Um, You know, growing up at home, that wasn't at all the case. You had to really do what you were told and and everything was was regimented. Um, But what I'm coming to find out now, you know, I'm 53 years old, you know, and I'm finding out now that I am more of this adventurous type that I get excited by going into the unknown and this Mm. desire to know each step of the way before is more of a crutch and more comes more from my fear. Um, Somebody once told me, you know, if you're looking down at the map, trying to figure out how you're going to get to where you're going. Mm. You're actually never going to get there because you're not looking at the road. Oh, oh, that's such a good thing. Are we listening to that podcast, listeners? (laughs) That's great. I've not heard that before. That's great. Yeah. 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 And that's something that I've really had to, you know, and I'm still working on Mm. applying it because, Mm. you know, and music has forced me to put myself out there Mm. and, um, you know, I, I force, I'm right now I'm doing a project where on purpose, I'm not rehearsing with my musician. Mm. I'm rehearsing at home to make sure that I know the song but I'm not rehearsing with my musician. I'm rehearsing. I'm, we're doing the set the day that we record and, um, and we'll see what happens. Mm. And what I find mm. is that when, you know, you can prepare, you can make sure you know what you, you know, you know, your craft, but then when it comes time to do the performance, when it comes time to show up, yeah. you've got to just let go yeah. of all of that. So here I am, you yeah. know, presented with the opportunity to move to St. Yes. Paul. And music was still not in my life the way it is now. I still didn't know how much I, how connected I was to music and, and the, the part, how important it is in my life. You know, aside from listening to music like everybody does. Mm. And so I moved to St. Bart's um, and fast forward to, I think it was maybe, um, I don't know how long I was there. You know, I had been dating somebody just before I left for St. Bart's and I, it's one of those things, you know, okay, guys or people, let's say people, um, when they think they can't have somebody or some, they want them even more, you know? And so right before I'm supposed to move to St. Bart's, I meet this guy. Um, and he's like, I want to date you. And I said, no, I'm moving to St. Bart's. Like, there's no way this is going to happen. And he insisted so much that, you know, I ended up, you know, he would show up with like three dozen roses and, and mm-hmm. every time it was a, a new like vintage convertible card, I was like, okay, I might as well just go on this joy ride. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I will say that it is, he is one of the reasons why he is, 
he is the first person that opened my eyes to the quality of my voice mm. and brought my attention to my voice and that mm. I should actually, you know, consider pursuing it. Mm. So, you know, it's like, yeah, the relationship didn't happen and he was this crazy dude. Mm. But there are times when the crazy people, mm-hmm. and there are oftentimes when people see in you what you don't see for yourself. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm super grateful that this crazy guy did that. Yeah. So anyway, what a gift. I moved to St. Yeah, it, it is a real gift. Mm. Um, and, and I'm appreciative of him, mm. of him being in my life and showing me that. Mm. Um, and so I moved to St. Bart's, we're still dating and, and then we break up, then we get back together. And then <laughs> months later, he breaks up with me again. And by that time, um, I had ended up really kind of fallen, falling for him, decided to quit my job in St. Bart's to move back to Paris, to be with him. We were going to live together, blah, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, we had a trip to China prepped and I mean everything. And he breaks up with me. Oh, my world ends up like, it's one of those moments where the earth opens up. There's a mm. crevice that opens up and you fall right into mm. it. Mm-hmm. and life nothing makes sense mm-hmm. and a friend the friend that invited me to St. Bart's the first time who was still living there and we were still friends he said he knew that I I was taking voice lessons I was still taking them in St. Bart's but still just for fun yeah and he said to me get yourself a gig someplace and you'll forget the guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of being in that frame of mind, because mm-hmm. I was so shy. If I was in a different frame of mind, I would have said, what are you, high? I'm not going to get up in front of a bunch of people and yeah. sing. What are mm. you, crazy? I don't, you know, it's, it's like, that's not my thing. Mm. That, that's not my thing. But I was so, you know, malleable in that moment. So mm. open because I had been broken. Mm that I said, okay. And I went to speak to somebody who owned, you know, who ran a nightclub and he said, okay, we'll open it a few hours beforehand and you'll do your, your jazz thing. And, you know, they didn't know me as a singer. They only Mm. knew me as the manager of the Ralph Lauren shops. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so the night of the show, you know, um, it was so funny, like, I didn't have a band. I just had backing tracks mm-hmm. and I had lined up all of the portraits of my family and friends that I had because I was so nervous and I uh. never performed in front of an <clears throat> audience. And I may believe they were my audience. And I would, <laughs> when I would rehearse, I would sing to the photos so that I would get, you know, so that uh. I would get used to having people staring at me while I sang. That's a great <laughs> trick. Yeah, great trick. It's great, but it worked. <laughs> and the night of the show, you know, it's the, you know, it's nine o'clock. The show's going to start maybe in half an hour. Nobody's showed up yet. And the manager's looking at me and he's like, Claude, where are your people? Yeah. And I looked at him and I'm like, uh, I didn't know what to say. But then slowly people started trickling in. It was a sold out crowd. Oh, good. And I started my set. And as I began 
as the set progressed, something happened. Mm. And I'm getting chills as I'm remembering that moment. Mm. It felt like all of the pieces that are a part of who I am were somehow coming together. And being on stage gave me this permission to be whoever I want to be Mm. because there was this invisible wall and I felt like I can do anything. I don't have to hold back anymore. Mm. And there was just like this big exhale in my system. Wow. You know, and... um, And, and that moment, in that moment, I didn't know it at the time, but in that moment, I connected to a piece of me that brings me so much joy. Mm. You know, I mm. could be in, in, in a frame of mind where I feel like nothing is right. The world is ending, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> And I start to do my vocalisms and I start to sing a song and it just rewires me. Mm. And, um, you know, all of these moments that seem to be disconnected brought me to this one moment where I felt completely connected. Wow. So, you know, from St. Bart's, I moved to L.A. because, you know, I met this couple there and they, you know, brought me to L.A. And in L.A., I began to pursue. I decided, you know, I'm going to continue to pursue music. Mm. And what I have found, like, over time is that, you know, doing the shows performing, pushing myself to do something that I never thought I would do. Mm, I was the girl that stood on the sidelines. I'd go to a party and I would just stand and watch everybody dance. I can't can't (laughs) even imagine that when I see you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I had, I think it was three years ago, I had a high school friend happened to be in LA and we met for lunch And she said, you know, and we were trying to remember each other. Like we're Facebook friends now. And we were trying to remember each other. And I'm like, I can't, like, I sort of remember. I don't. And she said, you know, you were always so quiet. You never spoke. I wanted to get to know you in school, but I never could because you never spoke. Wow. And now because I followed the voice that said, ask your parents to move to Paris. Wow. I met the man who introduced me to jazz, Mm. which spoke into the jazz, the genre of jazz that Mm. spoke to my heart. Then I listened to the voice. Then the voice said, you know, how, you know, okay, just go to St. Bart's. Mm. And then once there, it said, well, how can you make a living here? Mm. And then weeks later, that opportunity Mm. shows up. And then, you know, I moved to L.A. where I begin to write songs. Mm. 
mm. which, you know, Punch Drunk being the second of, of my original tunes that I've recorded. And I never thought I'd be writing songs. Mm. And this part of my life has become an intrinsic part of my life, something that I know that I can't let go. You know, I've tried, but it always comes back. And that's, you know, if, if you can hear, if you hear a voice in your head that says, try this, mm. get curious about it, mm. because it might be pointing you in the direction of your joy. Yeah, so responding to joy, you found your voice, then you found your place. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, I think that is just a powerful, inspiring journey. And on the topic of joy, which is I love, you know, and I'm so thankful to you for sharing that. It's truly been an inspiration to me. Thank oh. you. So much. You're very welcome. Yeah. I want to thank you, you know, for asking me to have this conversation with you and to share my story. Because like I said, I told you before we went on, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. <sighs> and at the same time, you've given me the opportunity to pause, mm. reflect, and acknowledge where I was mm. and where I am now and be able to say, hey, Claude, like, you're doing okay. Thank you so much, Claude, for sharing with us. And and I think this is the perfect place to end this podcast yeah. today. I mean, I my heart is truly bursting with joy for that story. So mm. thank you. Thank you so much. And and everyone out there, thank you for listening to this podcast. And hopefully you'll listen to all of them because there is joy in this world. There's joy to be found in whatever place we're at and that inspiring story there to just ask, just ask, ask and you shall receive. So thank you, Claude. And, um, (laughs) and so until next time, everyone out there, have a great week. Go well. Ciao.